Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. On the latest episode, we wanted to hear how the Mayfly season went this year on Loch Sheelan. Uh, myself and Tom spoke to Eamon Ross from the Loch Sheelan Trout Protection Association. But Tom, before we hear from Eamon, I have to say I've never fished Sheelan myself. It's one of those places I've been meaning to get to. Um, and it seems so as well. It's pretty popular with dubs also. Yeah, it is very much so. Very much so, Barrett. Yeah. Uh, I haven't I I haven't fished Sheelan that much. I think I think I've fished about half a dozen times only myself. How you doing it? Uh, I think I've uh, I've three blanks and I got three fish and all none of the none of the ginormous uh, fish you expect in Sheelan. They're all around two pounds, which as we're saying are good fish. But as we'll find out later, it's all about perspective. <laughs> Yeah, because it's one of the questions I ask Eamon about what makes it so special. And it's funny, you're saying, oh, I only caught two pounders, like, you know. <laughs> I suppose yeah. it's one of the draws of Sheelan, is it for people? It, it is really, it is really. I, it's it definitely, it's that. And also as well, um, we talk about it later, but because of last year with the lockdown, I actually got to fish Sheelan for this spent gnat fishing first time ever. And um, because normally I'm booked out, but because uh, of lockdown last year and I, I found myself, even though, it was open for fishing on Corrup. I had a couple of free days because people couldn't book. People didn't know. So I got up and um, fished uh, the spent gnat. And I was amazed. I was amazed by the, the amount of spent gnat. Like nothing like what we'd see here on Corrup. Nothing at all. And like I was with um, <clears throat> it was Paddy Ward from Multi Farnham. And I was looking at him. Oh, God, look at all the spent gnat. And he was going, it's not a particularly good night. I was going, what? I said, but there's loads of them. No, there, there aren't really. But like compared to what I'm used to on carb, yeah, it yeah. was just phenomenal. I just saw like reams, reams of, of spent gnats going back out onto the water. Uh, it was a tough night that night. We only had, uh, <laughs> we'd only one fish, a uh, pound and a half, <laughs> small fish. Yeah. 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 Is, is it a case of then that the, the trout there have so much to choose from? They really seem to, I mean, the, the feeding there just, it seems to be phenomenal. It seems mm. to be phenomenal. It's a bit like, um, uh, I remember chatting to Ken Whelan once. And he was talking about the size of trout in places around Ireland. And he had a really good saying, which I always say to people. And basically he goes, fat cattle, fat trout. <laughs> and, you know, you, you go back and you go, well, what? And then you think of it and you think of like, you know, the small mountain lakes here in the west of Ireland where, you know, cattle wouldn't be huge now uh, because they'd be poor feeding. Whereas there, when you go into the, the midlands and the rich land and everything where cattle put on, pile on weight. The, the limestone. Yeah, limestone. Yeah, so, so actually, it's so true. Actually, yeah, the shore. Think of the shore. Yeah, my river, like, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a very good. Yeah, that's it's a it's a really good point, actually. I, I if you see any that. skinny cattle, high <laughs> <laughs> tail on. out of it. But it's funny you were saying there you've never fished it, and you you were saying to me about never fishing the moy. Um, it's good to have things on your bucket list that are really easily be easily attainable, and like you know, rather than let's say Greenland. <laughs> for, for me, which, um, and I know you're going there. I will get there sometime, I hope. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a place you, you can tick off the bucket list quite easily. I have this dream in my head, maybe when I'm retired, but I hate even those thoughts of, you know, oh, 20, 30 years, you know, that kind of, like, I'd love to be one of those anglers that the May flies up and you follow it. You know, you go from Derg to Carb, yeah. Sheila, you know what I mean? And you like, I know there's been, a, I think, a documentary done on it, but I remember once actually I was on Quran, I think it was the end of the season, and I saw some fellow with his big SUV and it was a big fly fishing truck. 
the stickers mm-hmm. and the, all the decal on it. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that's the kind of life, you know, but uh, maybe another life I'll get to do it. But that's the thing. I think, yeah, I, I, like I, I, I think a lot of anglers from what Eamon was saying is they just they get up there and they just get sucked into it. and They just want to spend all the time fishing it. Like that's it. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. In a nutshell, they get sucked into it. <laughs> the glue pot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you what, let's hear from Eamon now because he's got some really interesting insights into A, I suppose, the kind of the fishing of it, how the Mayfly season went, um, and a lot of similarities probably between Carve maybe um uh, mm. on it as well. Yeah. But also really, I suppose just I was fascinated by what Eamon had to say in terms of just the trout, you know, um what they're feeding on and just the different stages of it. And uh, and as Eamon even says, he's as happy to walk the the, the shores in the wintertime. To, to watch the 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 the, the trade yeah oh, that was that was that was actually and uh i'm very much with them on that because i used to live in a place here in Cornamona. uh it was up in the valley up in the Kremlin valley and um there was a waterfall right below the house and i used to just go down and sit there for hours i used to work in o'malley's at the time so it wasn't too bad if i was on a night shift in o'malley's what i would do is during the day i would just go down and sit beside the waterfall and i just watch the trout just jumping up past me. And they'd land on my feet and everything. It's amazing, actually. You talk about fish being out of water. I've seen fish being out of water beside that waterfall for over a minute, flapping around, and then finally just get back into the water. But I, I agree with them totally because there's something special about watching trout running the spawning streams. Yeah. It's just magical. So with them totally on that. Great. Well, sure. Look, let's hear from Eamon. And I uh, first asked him about how the uh, Mayfly season went on Sheila. I'll give you my experiences of Sheelan. I'm sure everybody has a different experience, but in general, I probably won't be that much different than, than everybody else. I found it tough. I, I, I generally, I take off, normally I'll take off at least a week. Now, I didn't get off the week this year, but I, I, I attempt to be out around the 15th of, of uh, May. And generally, you're on, that's the start of the May flag. So I, uh, usually what you can do is you can start on wet flies. Uh, you'll get fish on wet place at the start. You'll then you'll struggle on wet place after a few days. You might have to go on to nymphs and on to dries. Uh, but none of that worked this year. I had one good day in the, on, the, on the nymphs. I don't think I got a fish at all in the wet place. Uh, I had four fish one day on the nymphs. I took off a few days then uh, and struggled badly. Now, uh, I got fish in the evening time. On, on spent, but I don't really count that as being part of the mayfly because it's, uh, well, it, it is mayfly fishing, but I, I suppose I, I, I like trying to get them during the daytime as well. And it was really, really tough this year. Yeah, that seems to be a thing with Sheelan, doesn't it, Eamon? That yeah. When the mayfly comes up, to get your to get your wet fly or your green fly fishing, it, yeah. it's, the first, it's the first week or even shorter than that, isn't it? The first few days, and you yeah. normally you're going to get some time that you'll have a really good day on greens. And I didn't get that this year. I never hit it at all this year on, on, on the greens. And Camille, so, was that conditions, though? Do you think was that conditions purely? or? Well, I, I, I'm racking my brain on that one, Tom, because I had really good fishing from the start of the year. I, li- I like fishing the, the wet fly on Sheelan. And, and Look, what I have my own theories on it. I think the fish, they're very, very well fed on Sheelan, so they're lazy. You have got to be slow in the way you fish, and, and you've got to get the fly down to them. 
and, and they tend to feed on hoglouts and snails and stuff like that at the beginning of the year. And you let, as well as that, you'll get fish with, with mayfly nymph in them at the beginning of the year. And I had good fishing, and there was really, really good buzzer fishing this year. So right up until the end of April, um, it was very, very good uh, on the buzzer. So I was getting real good fishing on the buzzer. And I remember chatting to a lad on the shore when we were looking forward to the mayfly, because the mayfly is something that you always look forward to. You, you, you build your year around it because it normally you can get, you can really, you can get really good fish on it. Uh, and we got cold, not cold, but very, very windy weather. And it wasn't warm. Now, there was massive hatches. Fish never came up to the top. And if they did come up to the top, they came up just to tease you. And they seemed to know how far I can cast. So they used to always come up a bit further out than I could get near them. And, and they just would disappear. Uh, and I had a, a, a young lad out with me from England who was out on his first trip for the Mayfly. Um, and I brought him out coming from the airport. Now, we, we, we went out for the spent that evening. Um, it was probably around the 20th. And we would have seen we would have seen loads and loads and loads of fish up on the spent, but found it very difficult to get them. So we got I got one that evening, but I felt cheated that we didn't get more. So it was difficult. There weren't you nearly wanted to be able to put the fly on the fish's nose. And and you know, it, there was nothing easy. They weren't moving, they wouldn't move left or right by a centimeter. Uh, <laughs> so you need a bit of luck. To get a, a, a dopey fish coming up in front of you, so that you <laughs> it uh, gives light to the fact, David, of Duffer's fortnight, doesn't it? Well, it does, yeah, because it was really tough now. And and you know, normally I bring people out that are new to fishing during the Mayfly. I like to bring people out that don't normally do a bit of fishing, and I struggled to get them people fish. I, ha- I had to hand the rod to them so that they could experience a, a fish. And like last year, I had people out uh, with me. And, and, and they got fish on the blind on dries. None of that this year. I got no fish on the blind where you'd be fishing a, a, a dry green and the fish would come up and take it. So none of that. You seen many free risers at all, no? No, no, no. It wasn't oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very odd one. And, and usually, like those ones, they knew how far I could cast and that they, they, they'd rise just away to your right. And the other thing that I noticed now, I've noticed this a few times at Chilean, on the spent, when they, and sometimes they'd come on the spent in the middle of the day on Chilean and spent go out. They were coming diagonal. They were always going away from the sun. Now, that's fairly normal for trout, but they were, they were coming in a diagonal direction away from the boat. So you just had to be, you know, you might get one chance uh, as they came across by the front of the boat, you might be able to get your fly in front of one. And that's the right. way it came. So, look, it was interesting, but it was... Well, that sounds like it makes what is already a difficult task of covering them, even more difficult if they're doing that. It, it does, yeah. And yeah. Look, um, there were people did get good fishing on it, and there were people that did, and, and probably better casters than I am, and they were able to get, they were able to, to cover fish. But I found it difficult this way. Uh, and, and the nymphs didn't work at all for me. After the first day, I struggled with the nymphs. And, and, and it was a great method to get fish. It, it's one of the methods that would have worked for me in the last five, four or five years, where you'd get a consistent, you'd get consistent fishing on it. Eamon, how do you, how do you fish the nymphs? Do you fish them like buzzer style? Or how, same as buzzers, yeah, same as buzzers. So you, you're fishing a floating line? I, I don't, I fish a floating line if it's flat cam. Right. And, and even then, I might have a midge tip on. You, you, right. Uh, the, the fish are lazy. And yeah. there's thousands and thousands of, of fly coming up. 
Mm-hmm. And and if you're not if you're not at their level, they just won't take you. Uh, they're not going to come to you. They're not going to hunt them, anyways. Now, uh, so I I I fish. I suppose I had a six or a t- I'm not sure is it a ten foot slow tip, uh, and I'd have fished that a good bit this year. I'd have fished um, fast tips as well to see what I get down a bit deeper. So would you, you do that? Would you do that? Let's say, would you switch to a fast tip when it's maybe a bit windier? Yes. Where you have to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you have to throw out. But on the buzzer, all I needed was a floating line. Yeah. Uh, the fish came up in the water for them, but they stayed down seemingly. And so the, the other thing I think as well is that I, I just, and I don't think that this is, is, is a difficulty, but I think that the stock levels in it are not as big as they were a couple of years ago. So I'd say that either, you know, in, in a wild lake, and it's the same in the Carver and Mask or in other places, in my view, you're going to have years that there's going to be a, a big surplus of fish over and above what I see as the critical level. There's probably a critical level you need for fly fishing. And, and I think that, that, that that's down a bit on Sheelan this year. Now, whether or not that's due to bad spawning four, three or four years ago, or what's the reason, I don't know. So, so But that, look at that. I have no evidence for that. I know that there was a stock survey done on it, and the, very, the, the fisheries were very happy with the levels of stock on the lake. But, yeah. It's a very good point. I agree with you totally on that critical level. There's a critical level of fish you have to get to, to make it sustainable for fly fishing. Yes, because the same with any it's probably the most inefficient way to catch them. Uh, so, well, I, yeah, I often say to people, like, if you wanted to deplete a, a lake of its trout, right? If you And you were given every method known, and you want to get rid of all the trout in that lake, Going at them with fly fishing will be pretty low on the list. You know, there'll be a lot of other methods to clear the lake of trout out before you get to fly fishing. Yeah, and, and I don't think, look, I think that in, 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 in any of these things, you don't, I don't think you could do it, but at the same time, th- th- there's another thing as well, and there's a fair bit of catch and release goes on. I think to get smart after a while. Um, uh, That's not the first argument we've heard, actually, on this show. Uh, no, this, yeah. this year. Um, <laughs> we heard a similar argument about carob. I'll give you I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example on that defeats my argument. Uh, <laughs> I, I was out in it this year with uh, I think it was Paul Owens who was fishing beside me on the buzzer, and he he left a fly in a fish in the morning, and he caught the same fish after the dinner and got his fly back. So, <laughs> so that one obviously didn't learn. No, but, uh, and, and I know of another guy, Larry Moley, who who caught a fish, a great fish, about seven and a half pound on a buzzer, and the fish was photographed. And, and another fisherman had a photograph of a fish with the same markings at around five pounds. So I, I think that, that the argument is that catch and release does work. But I, I think when you're fishing, in particular, if you're fishing mayfly nymphs and you've, you, you've touched a good few fish and everybody is doing it, they do get a bit wise to that. Uh, and they're not stupid. They're, they just ignore them after a while. Can I ask you what um, fishing pressure was like this year? Like, well, you know, or has it increased, you know, over the last years, obviously COVID accepted, but do you think fishing pressure has a lot to do with that as well, maybe? It wasn't as bad this year as other years in Sheelan. Sheelan is very small and, and it does get a massive influx of people. You wouldn't see a Christian on it now. You could walk and you'd have a place to yourself. And in fact, you could be quite good fishing on it now. Um, but there'll be very, very few people on it. And a lot of the lads that go out on it in the Mayfly will be going out specifically either for dries or pulling wets. I'm not, I'm not saying, but they, they, they go out for a week or two and, and they, they really enjoy their days out. And, and, but I tell you one thing, they've got it tough on Sheelan this year. 
but there was there wasn't massive massive pressure there was a lot of boats and the boats tend to move around a lot um but i don't think that that i don't think that that had an impact it certainly shouldn't have an impact on the nymph fishing anyway can i ask you just if one might i just wanted to go back to something um yourself and tom kind of mentioned near the, the start of that as in terms of um you're saying is it's better at the those first few days is it well, that's the... all of my experience, Dara. My, my experience on it was that if you were there on the first few days of the Mayfly and you had your wet flies, you would see fish up on the greens, but I didn't see them this year. Now, that's not to say that others may have seen them, but I certainly didn't come across them. Uh, and, and after, let's say after three or four days on the wets, you then nearly have to go on the dries. They won't follow them. Uh, they seem to be, if you ever see suck calves let out onto a green field they jump around everywhere and they'll kick their legs up and it seems that the trout will will do that when the greens come on first in chile they didn't seem to do that this year uh, and they certainly didn't go onto the greens on the drive so it was a tough tough time now chile is predominantly an evening lake anyway so it's always difficult to get fish uh, in it's, it's difficult to get fish during the day you can still do it uh, but it's nearly like I, I don't want to compare it to salmon fishing, but you'll, you'll pull a lot of flies to get maybe one or two rises and wet flies. And, but if you do get a fish, they're always fairly good. Uh, so it, it's, it's not a place like Carob where you could be rising fish or like Mask where you could rise a lot of fish during the day. You'll rise one or two or three and you might get one, but it'd be quite a good fish. Um, and it could actually be, it could be the fish of a lifetime for most anglers. It could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the chances of getting a, a five-pound-plus trout, I think Sheelan is probably the lake in Ireland. It yeah. is, yeah. If, if you were looking for one, he's, that's the place to go for it. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, we, I, I, I give out to myself and I give out to people that fish with me when we get fish two-and-a-half and, and three-pound and we say, it's a small one. Yeah. <laughs> it's scandalous the way we we look mm -hmm. at this stuff you know he, he's a little fella uh you know two and a half or three pound trout and, and yet and yet you went and fished melvin, melvin on saturday and got all excited when i had one 10 inches and thought <laughs> it was nearly 11 and used, you know you, you get the net out yeah. <laughs> so you'd be lifting the fish in 15 inches on keelan and you wouldn't even use the net and then Melvin, you're shitting yourself putting the, putting the net out to catch this small fat. And I don't think, but they're lovely trout on Melvin again. And I, they are, they're gorgeous. They're but... I really love Melvin. It's my second favourite lake now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so true. You get all excited in Melvin. With yeah. the, oh, he's 11 inches, yes. <laughs> so, so, look, I, I suppose that's that's the way it was. Um, it's it's The one thing, though, it, it, it always gives you the few fish, like, we did get some really, really exciting spent fishing. Uh, there was some evenings that I was out, it was lovely and exciting. And I always felt unfulfilled this year when we spent fishing because I never got more than one. Uh, and I felt that I should have got more than one. There was enough fish up several evenings that, that I should have got more than one fish. But, uh, you know, you're, you're doing well to get one. So you'd be getting fish three and a half or four and a half pounds. Uh, and you get anything huge now on the, on the Mayfly. I'd say the best one was about four and a half. Uh, only four and a half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it noticeable that like once you know, is it like that that two week period, and then once it's once it's died off, the lake just like you said, it's quiet, dead quiet. Then mm -hmm. no, no, that's not the case. I think there's an there's an absolute massive excitement. I get this big, huge rush of excitement for the Mayfly, um, and 
you, you build yourself up for this massive bit of fishing that you're going to do, and you spend this inordinate length of time out there. When I actually, I write it down in a diary and I keep a diary of, of what I'm doing. When you actually analyze the time you put in with the numbers of fish, you don't get any more than you get in the normal run of things. You get the, you'll average yourself out. But it, it doesn't it, it doesn't just stop on Sheelan. During, during the Mayfly, if you were so if you were inclined to do it, you'd probably get as good a fishing on the buzzer and on sedges if you went to if you went to look for it. Because there will be sedge fishing. Now it'll be a bit later in the evening. And there, you'll definitely have Murroch fishing that's beyond belief. Now the Murroch fishing is extraordinarily exciting, but it it will be happening at the same time or around the same time as the spent. And if you're after spending the day on the lake and, and you have you have struggled and they have the fish have just kept out of your way, you're sick of it and you just want to go home and get a cup of tea and go to bed and go back again the next day. Whereas if you were, if you were willing to wait, there's an extraordinary half an hour where you can fish for, fish with Murrah. And and it is the most exciting fishing because you have you'll you'll have fish up on them. It lasts for that half an hour. You could get one, you could get two, but you'd rarely get three, and you mostly will get none. But you have the excitement of seeing them thrown at them and maybe pulling out of them, and it's just a very exciting way of fishing. So you have that going on. And at the minute, you could go to Sheelan. Now I haven't been on it because I have been I've been doing other bits and pieces, and I I have to you have to kind of stay at home in odd time or you'd be thrown out of the house. Uh, so I, 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 I'll go back again probably this week and I'm going to go up to do a little bit of sedge fishing at night time. And I'm hoping that I'll get a wee bit of, of the smaller sedges. Now, if, if you ask me the names of them, I probably won't be able to tell you, but they'll be lighter colored sedges and smaller sedges than the morocks. There'll still be a bit of moroc fishing on it. And you will get fishing on that. Uh, and it can continue right on into the, in, 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 into the, over the summer. Are anglers missing a trick to a certain extent, Eamon? You know, maybe people who aren't regulars to Sheeland that they just think, oh, I have to go for Mayfly. And like you said, there's other periods. And probably the same, Tom, um, with Carob as well, that there's other areas where you get as good fishing. Like. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I'd agree with you, but it all depends on what you want. You might just want the Mayfly. And if that's, you know, it depends on what sort of an angler. Like, And, and, and you might have an angler that's just delighted to get out for us time on the Mayfly and isn't going to be bothered trying other stuff on Sheelan. Uh, now, I, I, I have all these theories. I, I fished the, the, the buzzer or the, I, I fished the buzzer this year on Sheelan and I had great success with it this year and last year. And up to that, you know, I would have started off with, Mayf- with wet flies. They never done that on any wet flies. Tom, when I started off, I, when I met you first, it would have been a dedicated wet fly fisherman. So uh, if you want to catch fish, you've got to have some you have to innovate a little bit, and Sheelan is the best place to, to it'll teach you that because you just won't catch them. Uh, and 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 uh, I, I have this theory that the trout have to feed. Now they'll probably go on to to perch fry and pin fry and all the rest of it, uh, and you'll get them on you'll get them on minkies and you'll you'll get them on stuff like that. But they also feed an awful lot on on hoglouse. They feed on on all sorts of nymphs. They'll still feed on buzzer nymphs. And I'm convinced that if you if you dedicated yourself, and I'm I'm intending to do it this year, that if you dedicated yourself and fished that method of slow nymph type fishing, you will get your share of fish and chilling as well. Uh, so that's the thing that's in my head. So for instance, fishing snail patterns or corixa patterns are. Good, you know, good shrimp patterns, 
Yeah, and uh, I know there's a guy fishes with me, and he he he, he he's from uh, he's Kevin guy Jerry McShane, and Jerry is one of the guys that told me about. He used to say that the fish were out the middle. Now, we would never have fished. So when I started fishing, you always fished in on the shallows. Now it's not a very deep lake anyway. He used to tell me about these fish out the middle, but there's nothing. There was no what would I call it? Uh, there's no features out there that you can identify to fish. You know, to identify where a fish might be, but they are out there. And he he he's uh, he's been telling me this last number of years that a uh, um, uh, what do you call that black and peacock spider fish slowly on a on a floating line down deep will catch trout from and has caught trout from. So I'm I'm intending to try something like that. So I, I'm convinced that if you fish like uh, little hares ears pheasant tails and stuff like that and on on a slow maybe a three foot midge tip over weed beds you'll get fish but it requires a level of patience that i'm not sure that i have yet uh, yeah i think if you if you set up to do with somebody though yes. i think that will help you right to do it on your own it's kind of hard because you can wonder but if i i, I found that if you are going to try a different and or if you're going to innovate that's the word you just said Going to innovate and go try some. Get somebody to do it with you because I've tried to do it on my own, and like after half an hour, your the head starts wandering, and you're going, "Jesus, you know what? No, if I went at wets, I might catch something." <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's and that's what happens, and that's why a lot of people actually don't even stick at buzzer fishing. Yeah, let alone yeah. innovating on something new. Yeah. So if you do it with somebody else, and you say, "Look, we'll do it now, and we'll stick at it, and we'll we'll do the day." The only way I find I find to innovate anyway. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that on on Sheelan, one of the things I say to people is you'll always get a chance in it. So if if you're so I'd have pulled wets on it a lot, uh, and you always get a chance. Now you mightn't hook you, so, but you might miss your chance, and that chance might come on the first pull, might come, and you don't know when it's going to come. And it's the same thing with if you fish dries. So I've I've went out and fished dries all day, and, and you'll get fish to come up to you. Uh, so I'm sure the, the other way will work as well. Uh, but we do tend, Tom, to revert back to what we're comfortable with. And and my most comforting thing is pulling wets. That's it. Yeah, it's it. What was it? It's the comfort zone. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. You see, if you're on wets, and let's say you're on a float line or an intermediate, or if you're on dries, you'll see the take. Okay. Yeah. Now he might miss the fly, but you'll still see it, and that keeps you going. And the yeah. problem with that buzzer fishing, or let's say what you're thinking of trying to do is a fish could stir to you and you might see it, right? Yeah. Unless yeah. he touches you. And even if he touches you, it's 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 a tug, right? At least with the rise, it's something, oh, gets you going. Yeah, you see something there. Well, look, I, I, was, I was describing, because there's a fair bit of controversy about some of the buzzer fishing and the nymph fishing where, you know, there, there, there's a fair bit of discussion goes on. Like the use what, of controversy and trout angling. I won't <laughs> believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. Well, maybe it's discussion. <laughs> we call it a lively discussion about yeah. droves. And there was a few lads that that anchored up. Now the anchoring up does really annoy anglers that that somebody might anchor anchor up. Now I haven't seen it, and I haven't been bothered by anybody doing that to me. But I I, I, I I used to describe, you know, when fellas be when I'm describing the nymph fishing, I say it's underwater dry fly fishing. But that's what it is. Like you're just you just don't see the rise, you feel the rise. But that's what you're trying to do. You're you're leaving your fly there and let them take it. Uh, and it, there's nothing as exciting as it in, in in my view. 
I agree with you totally. Can I ask you, Emmett, is buzzer fishing, is, is that the kind of most recent innovation that you've seen on, on Sheelan? Like? Uh, come here, I, I would have said that Sheelan is, there's been buzzer fishing going on in Sheelan for yonks and yonks and yonks. It mightn't have been, you know, people were fishing it. Um, when, when I started first, so I, I'd say to you that innovation has started on Sheelan. There was, there was canis fishing going on in Sheelan before it was ever heard of in Corrib. I, 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 you know, I, I know guys that were at that stuff in the middle of the day or in the middle of the morning when everyone should be in bed. They're not, I don't think that they're nearly right. But I, you know, any, anyone that goes at, you know, you, you, having said that, I, I, any of the videos I see of it, I think it's extraordinarily exciting. But there were people fishing uh, and there, there probably still are. Uh, I've never done it. So when you talk about buzzer fishing, I, I remember fellas fishing on Sheelan with little, small, sparsely tied wet flies that were essentially buzzers. They just weren't epoxies. They weren't fishing them deep, but they were fishing them in the top, maybe two foot or three foot of water. And they were getting fish. And it was the very same method. The fish went off with the fly. So, so we, we, we just... We just didn't, I suppose, it hasn't, hadn't, it hasn't adapted to the, to the epoxies as much as, let's say, it did in Corrib. But Sheelan doesn't have the typical duck holes that Corrib has. It has some areas that are better than others. But it, it's, it's a very, like, it's a naturally, it's only 14-foot average depth. So, so you, you, sometimes your biggest difficulty is keeping your flies off the bottom. So you, you you have to sometimes you're going on to, to lighter ones and and stuff like that. But it, you know there there are people and ha, there's people that have been doing that for a long time. I only started it in the last I suppose four or five years, uh, and I've got them. I, the first fish I got on a buzzer I got them in preparation for the international in 2012. So and and I didn't stick with it because we didn't have much success with it at the time, um, and we ended up on dries and and pulling wets. We never even tried the nymphs, I don't think, that time. You didn't have to, actually. Back to that, uh, I remember that international. That international fell perfect for the, that, that period that you're talking, the start of the Mayfly, where they take the wets or the dries. And it actually, it couldn't have been planned. It couldn't, well, it couldn't have turned out better to have the international that week. It was perfect. Oh, thank God it wasn't this year, Tom. <laughs> been something else. And I, all I can ever remember is that I promised that we'd win it at an at a meet at an ITF of a meet, and I said we'll win it in Sheelan. And I never was sorry that I said it, because then I ended up on the team and there was fair pressure on. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you did win it. Uh, I got a fish anyways, which 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 was. But I remember missing a fish in the first probably 15 minutes, and I'd say 99 times out of 100 I'd have hooked him. I was pulling wets, and he came up. You know these trout that come up and down on top of your fly, and by the time he had his head stuck up, I had the fly taken off him. I didn't wait for him to go down at all. So. Oh, hey, man, can I ask you, um, what's your own kind of background fly fishing? Do you live near Shaylin? You know, did you grow up with Shaylin? What? Where did you grow up with fly fishing? I, I, I'm from Sligo, so I don't like to be. Uh, it's not that I've anything against cabin men, but the beat from the football at the weekend, so I'm in bad humor with them. Um, well, I, I, I grew up in Tupper Curry in Sligo, so my, my fishing started on the Moy, and I used to fish the mountain lakes and Loch Talt, um, Loch Isky, Tullavilla Lakes, lakes like that, Loch Gal beside Loch Isky. Um, so I didn't catch trout a pound weight until I was 17. <laughs> and, and, and it was the sea trout. I got them in Clunacool on the Moy on, on, a, on an Alexandra fly. 
And so you'd be fishing down and across. And in 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 the in the lake, I I I I'd have fished, not always legally, but I'd have fished uh, with flies. Uh, and 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 I'd have got loads and loads of small trout. But I, I don't think I ever got a trout bigger than three quarters of a pound on any of the mountain lakes. I'd say that a three quarters of a pound one was a massive one. So Is that, are they the ones up in the Ox Mountains? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Is, did you yeah. ever did you ever read Luce's book? Yeah, hey, Luce's book. I did, yeah. Fishing yeah. and thinking. Didn't he talk of one lake up there that had big trout in it, long, thin black ones? Yeah, well, sure. I've often heard about them. There was one lake called Loch Fossa. And even yeah. my grandmother used to tell me that they brought trout from Scotland to it, but I don't believe that stuff. I think it was a story. <laughs> Uh, and I went up with a fellow from Connemara. He was a school teacher in 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 Tubbercurry, Mick O'Connell. And myself and Mick would go up there and fish. And we we never brought a fishing rod with us, but we fished it anyway. Mick Mick had his own means of fishing, and he, which he brought from Connemara to Sligo. Did it involve a, Did it involve a floating bottle? It did. Yeah. And <laughs> I never I never seen a trout in it, and I used to be starving, and they'd be ate with midges. But I, I never got anything in Loch Fossa. But um, there was another lake beside Lahiski. And I know, uh, I, I'm going to tell you this story anyway, just you asked me about my background on it. I, I used to fish with a cousin of my father's called John Martin Heron. And John Martin had a brother who was a priest. And he'd come home every year, Father Ignatius. And Father Ignatius was a, a navid fisherman. Uh, and at one point, they decided that they were going to stock Loch Gal with trout out of Lahiski. So they brought out one of these kind of galvanized basins. If you remember them, you might have got washed in one of them at some stage, Tom. But they, they used to fill it up with trout out of Lahiski and carry it across the bog to Loch Gal. And they put probably hundreds of trout into it over the summer. And the trout in that lake absolutely grew to enormous size. Whatever was in the lake, it was something phenomenal the 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 the, the growth rate on the, on the trout there so it, it was no trouble to get a trout over three pound and they were well made trout they weren't big long lanky things they were big fat lumps so th either there was crayfish or something in this thing but it was something extraordinary that 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 uh the trout that were in that um in fact i remember losing a trout i was with john martin Heron and and we lost a trout he, he was doing the fish and i was with him i was only 14 the day before Sligo, we were in the All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry in 1975. And we were never bothered too much in Sligo with going to Crow Park. <laughs> we were all supposed to go to Crow Park the next time. My father had ticket spot, and, and, and I, I, I can still remember the fish. And, I, and I, I said to him, God, maybe we shouldn't go to Crow Park. We should go back to Loch Gal to see where we get a big trout like that. I was absolutely disappointed that we were going to the match. <laughs> and during the match, at about half time, John Martin turned around to me and he says, "Yeah, and we should have went back to that guy because <laughs> <laughs> Kerry hammered us that day." And there they did. Yeah, yeah. And come here, and there are any trout still in that lake? That, uh, that was surrounded by forestry. I don't think it's a trout in it anymore. It, it, you nearly can't get into it now. They just planted trees all around it. So, how long have you been fishing, Sheila? I'm... I'm fishing it since 1981. So. So do you remember the bad old days of it? Like? Yeah, I, I, I remember when I came to Sheen at first, it was, you could not see down more than, you just couldn't see into it. It was, it was in an awful state. And what you had at the time was massive hatches of huge buzzer. That's the nearly the only flies that were left in it. There was a huge stock. I won't say huge stock, but 
the trout got out of proportion to themselves. So you had a lot of big fish and no small fish going into the lake. So you had kind of, because there was an algal bloom, the whole carophyte weed died on the bottom. It interfered with the whole, I suppose, uh, ecosystem. Big, huge increase in roach numbers, massive increase in pike numbers feeding on roach, and the trout numbers were under savage pressure. The one saving grace for Sheelan was that there was, there was extraordinarily good spawning streams in it. So the trout were still going up to spawn, but when the fish came back, there was nothing for them to feed on. So there was really no, there was no, there was no uh, carophyte, there was no insects, there were, the, the, the roach were eating all of the, the daphnia. So in, 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 in what I understand happened is that no more than, than sea trout, if you don't find food in Sheelan, you go on down, the, you go to the next place down and they went down into the system, into the Shannon system. So for a number of years, it was like that. And I remember the time they put in a slurry removal scheme where they, they removed the slurry out of the area. The, I, I, I will never forget the immediate impact that had on water quality. It, it cleared up within, within probably two years, it was crystal clear, and the mayfly came back. So, it, it, you know, nature has an, an absolutely massive way of, 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 of regenerating itself. And so they'd done, there was a lot of work done at the time by the LSTPA. Uh, I, I was just a committee member at the time, but they did a good bit of work on the trout, the tourism angling measures. So they spent a lot of money and only for that being done, Loch Sheelan would have died, I'd say, at the time, because it, it, it did provide stock to come back into it. Now, there was a lot of stock fish put into it at the time, uh, and and people relied on them, which was, uh, I, I, I never liked them. I, I always liked to catch the wild ones. Uh, so uh, since 81, you know, we've been lucky. We started a hatchery on it. It was great fun, but it never made a huge difference. And we've done an awful lot of work on rivers and spawn and streams, and I think that's one of the reasons why why the stock has has increased and has as as I suppose recovered to the extent that it has. And if a lake isn't able to sustain itself, uh, then you're in big trouble. But one of the saving graces for Sheelan is that there's massive spawning. So when you go up the little, there's two rivers. One of them went up the Sheelan Shamrock, the Innie, and the other one it's called the Innie as well. But it's we call it the Mount Nugent River, and it spans out like like the, the, the tendrons in, a, in, in your lungs or in a, in a leaf, and it just gets into smaller and smaller little streams. And the trout go up all of those places. Um, so I have a massive interest in that. I have as much interest in going up in the wintertime to look and spawning as I do nearly in fishing. I get such a kick out of that. What's so special about Sheila? I sure, it's the big fish. <laughs> like, you can really get big ones in it. So, so for a lad that was brought up, on, on quarter pound trout. So when I when I was going to school, I went to school in Banada beside Trouble Curry out in the country. And there was a pub there, Malarkey's, I think it was Malarkey's pub, beside the bridge in Banada. And there was a trout stuffed in the in, in the pub, which was two pound weight, the trout was. It was two pounds. So he was a huge fish at the time to be stuffed. I used to look at him and think, how would you ever catch something that big? And and when I went to Sheelan, I used to tell the lads at home about catching trout. Uh, three and four pounds. And they didn't believe me, uh, you know, that, that you could catch wild fish that size until I started to bring them down to them. So it's, it's, it's the size of the fish and it's the challenges that it, that it provides. So you're never, ever, ever going to get it easy there. There's an odd day you'll be lucky and you'll hit an easy day, but you rarely are going to have an easy day. You're going to have to think and you're going to have to 
you've got to, have to think what you want to do, what your, what your approach is going to be. You're going to have to change lines. You're going to have to go down and go up. It's not someplace that you can just put on one line at the start of the year and fish the rest of the year and that'll do you. Now, you will get your share of fish at that, but you won't. I mean, for, for me, it wouldn't be as fulfilling. So I think that if you can catch fish on shealing consistently, you have a good chance in other lakes. Now, I've learned an awful lot on rainbow fishing as well and that you can apply on the likes of shealing. So, so, you know, when you talk about... So when we look at, at the way some of the rainbow anglers will approach um, how, how, how they try to target uh, fish that are feeding on specific things, that... that I suppose it gives you it gives you a challenge. To see, where will this work on 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 Chilean as well? So 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 that's what I, I I like it for that. I like the you know I I look forward to the first of March. If I'm if I'm a, if I'm out, I'll go out on the first of March, and and I go out in freezing cold, and I love it up there because you nearly always get fish. So I I'd fish a sooty olive at the start of the year because you get them on hog louse, you get them on snails. And I'd fish over, you know, I'd my own favorite spots, but I'd be, I'd be liking to fish over places where the weed has died down over the winter. And you'd be hoping that they're trout in. And if you get a warming of the day, you get them on wet places. It's just phenomenal. It's really, really exciting. I'd, I'd have a great time for it. Now. That's, and that's when you're back to the zone that you want to be in, when you get them that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, so here, listen, one thing I want to ask you, Eamon, and we've asked everybody, on on the on the podcast so far what has been your most your most memorable fish now and we mean your your most memorable not be the biggest one but definitely the most memorable fish that you've caught okay well the most memorable fish is the one i didn't catch in in 1975 in Loch Gall before Kerry Vaters in the football <laughs> but i can't count him right so, well you'll never I, forget him I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that because it was so big. Uh, and, and come here, actually, before we move on to the one that you did catch, what size do you reckon was the one I locked up? Over five pound. And I can remember, wow. you know, I, I can remember how, I can remember his fins, you know, the, 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 they, were, they were flared out and he jumped up in the air and it's like in slow motion in my head. Now, I might be creating this memory myself, but I, I, I'll never forget that. I, the excitement that, that, that I've seen that I actually seen this and you know that 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 only takes two seconds he's up in the air a couple of seconds back down again but it's imprinted in your head forever uh, and and I remember ta- looking at, at John Martin and wondering why he wasn't continuing to bring him in he had broken <laughs> he had broken the line and went away with all our flies <laughs> but anyway it, it, and she I've caught a lot of big trout in Sheila and I've caught fish I've caught fish with John Murray a friend of mine from Sligo he lives he comes up and we've caught fish over, I, I reckon that I got one on the nymphs last year, he certainly he wasn't double figures, he was as close as it is that it wouldn't make any difference but the one that I remember is, I, 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 well, out on my own one time and it was a lovely summer's evening getting towards dark and uh, I was fishing wet flies and I, I used to dread flat cams coming because then I couldn't fish wet I know I wouldn't be able to do anything. Like I could fish nothing after that. So uh, it, it was calming down towards evening time, and I was fishing up at Derry Sheridan, and the wind was blowing up the lake, 
so if you can imagine my my boat was drifting up, the shore was on my left, and on my right, up in the top corner of the lake, the sun was just about heading down and shining down the lake. And uh, the the wave the wave was dying, and I had a bibio on the top dropper. I hooped a trout on the bibio, and he went up in the air and jumped between me and the sun. And you could see the water flying off him, and there was kind of a rainbow came off him. And I man managed to land him. And and I I, I don't I, I I never apologize for bringing a fish and killing one and bringing him home. I used to bring them all home that time. Uh, but I, I remember hitting him on the head and saying to myself, "Well, I'm going to enjoy this fella." And and packing up and having such satisfaction, heading over with a trout over three and a half pound, uh, and to get him in such you know in, in such nice conditions where I uh, where he where he jumped and he jumped a lot. And threw these masses of water up into the sun, and you could see kind of rainbows coming off them. So that's my most memorable trout. Caught in a bibio, probably on a floating line. Um, and, and I had fished all day, and I got one rise, caught him. And you got your one chance, and you took it. I did, yeah. Thank God, yeah. yeah. And you'll never forget him. No, no, I, 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 I often do remember that one. And um, mm. I, I'd said that that was in about probably in the late 80s. Yeah. I, I was working in the Creamery in Kilishandra at the time, and I would have often went up from work and went out to fish for the evening. I don't know how my wife and children put up with me. I would go off and, and, and go fishing, and there was only one car, no mobile phones. I'm sure they didn't know where I was at the time. But isn't, isn't it those moments, Eamon, that we live for? Like, it's not necessarily, like I said, you know, the biggest fish, but, you know, you paint a, a great picture of that there. I can picture, you know, the sun setting and the fish jumping up and just catching that moment. You know, yeah. it's just catching that moment and, and that's what stays with it. And that's why we do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, you said there, like, because earlier on when we were talking to you, you said, nothing big, for four and a half pounds. And you were just, you know, you, you know, the other fish, maybe this year, and so you've obviously caught countless numbers of three and a half pounders, right? I've caught loads. Um, three and a half pounders, but that yeah. one, Stop that one's mind. there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to run down. Like, they're fantastic trout. They're, you know, mm. and, and those big trout that you catch up there are just fantastic. And, and the fight that they put up on Sheelan in, in the last, you know, you get a two and a half or three and a half pound trout, it's just phenomenal the, the battle that you get out of them. So, but look, that you asked me a question, I answered it as honestly <laughs> as I could. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, it's been really fascinating insights into Sheelan, um, kind of you know what makes it tick and what makes it so special. And um, I, for one, would love to get out hopefully, maybe later this year to, to, to try it because I've never fished Sheelan, so it's definitely it's another one from my bucket list, Tom. Um, yeah, a bit, bit, bit closer to home yeah it's like me and the boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly but well, Eamon best of luck for the rest of the season thanks a million for joining okay, us look, thanks very much I could probably I said that I probably didn't know you want to get half an hour of me I could probably talk for another half an hour and well done <laughs> but anyway I don't want to start telling lies look thanks very much Tom. our thanks to Eamon Ross for joining us on the show don't forget to rate review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.